Yo, hello. I'm trying this again. I screwed up last week. Uh, last week, <clears throat> on the podcast, I have this, like, mount that I do to um, be able to podcast while I drive. Uh, pretty much at this point in life, I'm running out of time to the point where the, the only time I'm going to be able to podcast is if I do it when I drive back and forth to work but obviously that doesn't seem safe so I have to like mount my mic but uh what happened was what had happened was um I accidentally turned on the wrong microphone for last weekend's podcast and then I did an entire like 25 minute podcast driving to work where I was talking into a microphone that was not on meanwhile next to me on the seat there was a, a microphone that was on, and that's what you ended up hearing. So that's why the audio quality on last week's podcast kind of sucked. And, uh, yeah, look, I'm still screwing up radio shit, even though I've been gone from radio for, well, I've been gone for about six months. How do I know that? Because this was a big week. Uh, as of October 16th, I am no longer in any way, shape, or form contracted to iHeartMedia. Yeah. My original contract, the contract that I um, left while I was in the middle of, was up on October 15th, 2020. So this was a very big week. And uh, I I wanted to kind of signify it by finally talking about the thing that I've not talked about. Now, I have talked about it on the podcast twice, actually. I, I did it like on my third episode, and then I kind of decided against it. And then I did it about a month or two ago when I had the Gentleman's Club guys on the uh, podcast. Uh, it was the missing 18 minutes. But the truth is, those 18 minutes, you know, I had originally thought, look, when I really do just talk about what happened, I'll just play those 18 minutes. I listened back to them. I'll tell you the truth. I don't want you to hear them. I'm embarrassed by them. They were in angry 18 minutes. And I'm not angry. And I can, I can get to a place where I get angry if I allow certain thoughts to get into my head, but I'm not overall angry, and I don't want to spend time being angry. And those were 18 angry minutes, and I just I, I didn't want to put that out. So I thought, you know what I'll do is I'll record a, a brand-new, clean version of this. Now that it's over, uh, the contract is officially done, um, you know, I, I still obviously have an obligation to not... Uh, do anything too stupid, but I am able to talk about it in a respectful way, I think, at this point and tell you exactly what happened, what led me to leave radio. Now, a lot of what you've heard me say in public is all true. I, well, I shouldn't say a lot of. All of what you've heard me say in public is true. It just was missing part of the story. The truth is, you know, Sauce was taking off and radio was not so much. If anything, radio was heading in the other direction. And uh, it was time to shit or get off the pot with the sauce business, quite frankly. And I did. And so that's why I ended up doing what I did. And, th and that's what I've talked about. And you've heard me say that over and over. And I'll continue to say that because that's completely true. There's nothing untrue about that. The part that I haven't really spoke about is why was I becoming disenchanted with radio? And I'll give you a little explanation as to that right now. And I do think it's fair to mention... Uh, that this is obviously my version of the story. Um, in fairness, there are three sides to every story, right? 
and uh, my side, your side, and the truth. Uh, I believe my side to be truthful, but admittedly, there's bias. It's coming from my perspective, and thus, uh, I'm sure that my side is going to be biased for that reason. So uh, I just want to admit that there's some fairness there. I, I get it. I get that I'm going to give you a biased version of this. Um, and you'll probably never hear the other side because, quite frankly, I don't think the other party cares. <laughs> so it is what it is. But um, that. And then all the other thing people keep asking me is they say, you know, dish on your former coworkers. Tell us what you liked and didn't like about your former coworkers. Look, I'm just not going to do that. I have a lot of respect for a lot of the people I worked with. I still consider many of them to be friends. Could I tell you some negative stories about some people I worked with? Yeah, sure I could. But I could tell you a lot of positive stories about them too. And quite frankly, it's just not fair. I know a lot of what you want to hear is the dirt, the negative, the bad stories. If I sat here and told bad stories, the only way that I could ever feel okay about that would be to tell the good stories right alongside. And I just don't think it's fair in general to air any dirty laundry. So I'm not going to do that either. There's not going to be any, uh, I'm not going to do any of that at all because at the end of the day, I like them all. I, I honestly consider a lot of them to be friends. And, and uh, you know, again, that's it's a biased version of the story, whatever I would tell you anyway. So, but what I do want to tell you is why I left. What were the things that kind of led up to me leaving? So let's go back to summer 2019. I'm working on the Wii show. I'm producer of the Wii show. And uh, it, it, I start to get word that Wii's ha- is basically that he's falling out of love with me. Um, and long story short, over the course of a couple of weeks, I managed to get to the bottom of it. There's a meeting and a bit of a come to Jesus. And essentially what Wheeze's beef with me was, was that I was spending a lot of time doing other things other than working on his show. I was obviously with my sauce business. I was doing other shows on Wham 1180. And he felt as though it was taking my attention away from his show. And he wasn't wrong. He wasn't wrong about that. Um, but it was also not something I was willing to stop doing. The, the, the sauce business had taken off. Radio had become my second income. Um, and, and I still felt as though my obligation to Wheeze was being met because I was still spending more actual time on a daily basis working on his show than anything else in my life. Spending more time working on the Wheeze show than I was spending working on the uh, the sauce business then I was spending working on any podcasts or extra shows that I was doing it was just really I still saw that as my main job and still because I was allocating more time to that than anything else I felt I was covered but you know we wanted somebody fully dedicated and I just wasn't going to drop the other stuff so uh, instead of firing me management made this decision to keep me um, but move me and their decision was to move me over to mix 100.5 and it was going to be the Polly and Pat show. And they, they called me in and kind of informed me that it was my big break, right? I was, I, was, I was getting my own show, the Polly and Pat show. And it didn't immediately sit real well with me. I remember on the day of, I remember thinking like, well, you know, this, this doesn't seem, you know, it's a music station. And I doubt they're going to go away from the music and allow personalities to be personalities uh, so I, I don't like it. And I remember I left feeling real uneasy and I went home and I took out a sheet of paper and I wrote down two things on that sheet of paper. One was talent fees and the other one was Megan Carter. And I went back to the radio station and I explained, I'm worried 
I'll lose my talent fees, which was a significant part of my income from doing endorsements and all that on the Wii show. And I also said the, the reason I wrote Megan Carter is I said, it doesn't make sense to me. This is a, a, a station targeted towards women and you've got two men on the station. Uh, you have Megan working here. Megan seems like she'd be perfect for this role. Put Megan there. You know, leave me on the Wii show. I, I, I can make up with Wii's. Wii's and I, we had peaks and valleys the whole time that we were together. There were times, you know, we were mad at each other, and there were times we loved each other. At the end of the day, I loved the guy, and I think he felt the same way about me, even in the negative times. So I was like, look, I'll just do the Wii show. You know, let me do the Wii show, and... And have Megan do this with Pat, that seems like. And, you know, there's basically it was, no, 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 it'll all be fine. And and basically what happened was I just, I saw the next six months of my life uh, working on this station. Like, I just, I saw it all in that moment on that day. I was like, look, it's going to be a constant battle between me and the program director. He's going to think music rules. I'm going to think content rules. And it's just going to go round and round and round. And ultimately he'll win because he's the boss. And, you know, who knows how this will end? Probably not well. I'll eventually lose my patience, blah, 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 blah. And over the course of those six months, it's basically exactly what happened. I just felt that content, you know, I, I always felt like Rochester should be the star of our show. Uh, Pat was a great co-host. Pat, by the way, is great. Um, I always tell Pat, I'm like, he would be the best manager ever because he kind of gets more so than anyone I've ever worked with. He gets both sides. He gets the talent side and the management side. Loved working with Pat, and even the program director we were working with at the time, JP, was a, was a wonderful guy. He was a good human being. I made his life way harder than it deserved to be. You know, he just had come up, uh, you know, at a time in radio when they were really being taught music was king, nobody wants to hear the jocks, and that, that has flipped. Uh, quite frankly, I don't know what radio will look like 10 years from now, but I have to imagine they're finally realizing intellectual property is key. You know, having content that you can only get here is key. That's how you win. Uh, mass audiences, the days of mass audiences, those days are gone, buddy. I mean, think about driving to work 20 years ago. You drive into work and you talk to everybody you work with. Chances are they were listening to one of like four or five things on their way into work, right? 20 years ago, what? Everyone driving in was probably listening to either CMF or PXY or whatever the hot adult contemporary station was at the time or NPR. 20 years later now, current day, you go to work and you talk to everyone you work with and chances are almost everyone you talk to is going to have listened to something different on their way to work. It's, it's just the audio content is still very, very popular. People want audio content and good news for radio People want local content, so they want audio content. They want local content. So for those, from those two standpoints, radio's in very good shape. But where it's in very poor shape is the days of mass audiences, I think, are gone. It's niche audience now. And they have to learn to adapt to that, sell to that, and sell to the dedicated listener as opposed to the size of the audience. Um, that's that's I, I think that's just that's where it is, and I think radio in general has to get smaller. I think radio is learning that it's not a big big corporation anymore. It should be small business. I, I think you'll see iHeart and some of the other big companies uh, eventually probably get sold off or, or, or sold into pieces, and that's really where radio could maybe make a comeback is um, is just you know being sold off and becoming small business. 
and being in their communities and concentrating on creating content locally and, and, and housing that under just one brand. Instead of, hey, we have these seven radio stations, we do these different things. It's more of, no, we create this audio content. It's all under this one brand. Come and get it. Because, quite frankly, before I started my sauce, uh, before I, I should say, before I bought my factory and left radio, my secondary idea was to do a, a podcast network in Rochester. And I ultimately decided that the um, the barrier of entry was just too expensive to, to get into it. You know, it was just too much. Uh, the radio stations are, are very well set up for it. They've got the equipment. They've got the personalities, the content creators. They're set up to be that sort of that local network, that local brand that provides audio content. But I think what they have to do is they have to start thinking of themselves as a local brand that creates and produces local audio content and stop thinking of themselves as a radio station. You know what I mean? That's going to be a, a, a big transition. Anyway, I digress. So I spent this time with um, with Pat uh, for a few months doing this, this show that ultimately I, I tried, but the truth is, you know, I could have tried harder. I just thought we needed to be creating more content. Instead, we were being told to, you know, shut up and play the music. And, uh, yeah, didn't love that. And so eventually iHeartMedia in January of this year, they do this big mass layoff. And they lay off my partner. They lay off Pat. They lay off the program director, JP. And this was really where the last straw was. They, they for some reason, they didn't lay me off. And, I mean, the reason was probably just because I had a lot of endorsements uh, at the time, I was—I guess—I was worth money to them. Um, so, you know, this is really where the last straw kind of happened. Basically, I was asked, "What do you want to do?" And I said, "Well, just let me do the show solo. You know, let me do the show that I envision on one hundred point five, and let me just run with it." You know, I mean, I'm very entrepreneurial, obviously, and having a radio show is like being an entrepreneur. You know, allow me to pour my resources and my heart and soul and, and my work ethic into this radio show. And they told me no. <laughs> you know, quite frankly, they just said no. They said, um, no, that's not what we see for you. And uh, they explained that, that you know, on 100.5, there would no longer be local content. Uh, that this layoff had been about not allocating resources anymore on the music stations, but that they would be allocated in markets of our size to, to the bigger stations. That was all public knowledge. I mean, that all came out publicly. That was reported by the trades. I, used to, I was going to say the trade magazines. Now who's old school? You know, the online trade publications, I guess, uh, reported all of that. So I, I'm not divulging any secrets there by saying that. Um, so the, the, then I asked, I said, well, okay, then I'll just go back to the Wheeze show. And they said, no, we don't like that idea either. We like Dale on the Wii show. Uh, and I like Dale. Dale's great. In fact, I think Dale's wonderful at his job. And uh, I would hire Dale in a second to work for me. Um, that's another thing about owning a business now. Every time I see good employees, I get, like, jealous. <laughs> I'm like, I want that employee. <laughs> um, anyway, I, Dale's wonderful. They said, we want Dale on the Wii show. We promised Dale we'd get him on morning schedule. You know, he put in a year working with Kimberly and Beck, basically because we promised him eventually we'd get him on a morning schedule. 
And I remember being upset because I thought, you know, he put in a year. Did he put in a year? Great. I've been here 15 years. I've put in a little more than a year. And again, that was nothing against Dale. That was just me saying, like, what do you mean? He put in a year? Uh, anyway, so I was disappointed by that. And then they said, you know, what we think is you should be Kimberly and Beck's producer. And I was just like, oh, no. Oh, no. No, 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 no. Um. The next day I went in to, to the Wheeze show and I uh, operated the board for a little while. And, you know, Wheeze said to me in my ear, he was in Florida at the time, he said in my ears, can I talk to you during the commercial break? Brah, can I talk to you? I said, yeah. He said, uh, brah. And, I, and, and, at the, and in fairness at the time, it was, like, it was Dale's like second day working on the Wheeze show. So I think Wheeze probably, I'm sure Wheeze loves him now, but again, this was like day two. But we says to me, he goes, bro, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if it's going to work out with this kid, this Dale. Uh, bro, would you come back? Would you work for the Wheeze? Uh, I, I, maybe I, maybe I, I snapped too fast. It's been, a, it's been a, a revolving door of producers around here, Brock. Would you come back and work for the Wheeze? And I'll be honest with you guys. I told him, yes, I would. He said, bro, you sure? I go, I would. I go, let bygones be bygones. It is what it is. At the end of the day, I love you. You love me. Let's do this. And he's great, bro. I'll call management after the show. So he does, and he calls me after the show, and he goes, "Bro, they said no." And in my head, I'm going, "Oh, they're just, they're probably just trying to protect me. They they might see it as a step back for me. I went from being producer of the Wee Show to being host of this other show, back to producer of the Wee Show. Maybe they think I would be uptight with that. I would not be uptight about that. The one thing I will say that I had." a little bit of a better handle on than most of the people I used to work with is my ego. I did never had a problem with how I looked, um, you know, to it, it, the perspective or, or anything. I, I didn't really mind that. I was more about the work, less about, you know, what people thought of me. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, so he, he offered it to me. Management said, no, I then I called management to say, hey, just so you know, I'm okay with it. And I thought for sure they were going to say, oh, you are? Okay, then great. And instead, what they said was no. They said no. We no. We're we're not going to put you back on the Wee's show. Uh, we we think you should be on Kimberly and Beck uh, as their producer. Um. And so, really, the final straw was, I eventually, I just explained I, in an email. I said, "Look, I don't understand what's happening here. The Wee's show audience loves me. I love them. I click there." I know everything to do on that show. I can produce that show essentially by myself. And and, and Dale, for the last year, and I, can't, I hate that I keep bringing up poor Dale. Dale doesn't belong to be in this. I, I've brought him up way too many times. You have to understand, really, really, I think highly of Dale. He just happens to be the human being who was in the position. So I don't mean to keep comparing myself in any way. It's just he's who happened to be there at the time. So, But I, I remember you know, in this email I said, hey, look, I am... I, I have that. I got this. This Wheeze gig, like, I got this. And Dale's been doing Kimberly and Beck for the last year. He's got that. Why are you, like, forcing this switch between the two of us where now I got to learn all that and he's got to learn all this? And there's this audience that isn't familiar with me on Kimberly and Beck. 
that I have to re-win over now a new audience, and Dale's coming into this an audience that he has to re-win over that audience. Because audiences, you have to understand, are brutal. Audiences never love new people. You always got to let a good year or even two go by before you see if a personality is going to stick. Because every personality, including myself, that I was around when the we sh- when I was on the Wee Show, me, then we added Marianne, then we added Deanna. Every time we added somebody new, there was a couple of months of brutal feedback for everybody, and absolutely myself included, of just people saying, I will never listen to this station again because X, Y, Z, whoever that person you just added, they are terrible. Now, I mean, that was obviously just normal. That's what happens. But I, I, it is what it is. I, I, I asked them one final time. I said, this just doesn't seem to make sense to me. And, and for whatever reason, they just wrote back and said, this is the way it is. This is the way it's going to be. Uh, and I just, I knew it. And that moment I just said, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to do it. Uh, I'm worth a lot more than this. You know, I'm just, I'm worth a lot more than this. And so I was nervous, but uh, flattered because the next thing that happened was I let a few key people know, some people who I consider to be mentors, some people I consider to be friends uh, on the outside, you know, business people and, and really just truly just friends, mentors. I let them know, hey, I, I think I'm going to be available you know, I think I'm going to be available here in a little while. I, I, I think I'm, I think that I've had it working at the radio station. Still loved radio. That's why I still do this podcast. As you can hear, and there's never a point in there where I fall out of love with actually doing radio. I just fall out of love with with working, you know, for, for, for the corporation, I guess. And, and by the way, and in love with being an entrepreneur, in love with small business. That was the key, too. Remember, I'm falling... It's not that I'm just falling out of love with one thing. I am I am truly falling in love with another thing at the same time that all of this is happening. But I was very flattered because the next thing that happened was I put word out into the world very, very secretly. You have to be careful with these things. Very secretly that I was that I was going to be available, that I was willing to leave and and what could there be in the world for me if I were to leave? this radio career of 15 years. And this was the moment where it was finally just all validated for me because, I mean, we're talking about names you would recognize. I'm not going to put their names on this podcast, but, you know, people I'm lucky enough to call friends, uh, business mentors, big business names in this town, uh, secret lunches, secret meetings, phone calls, airing it all out to them and, and every one of them to a T just said you know especially after like asking me what I was making and every one of them to a T said oh you got to get out of there you're you're worth a lot more than this and hearing them say that and quite frankly in a couple of instances I was offered jobs on the spot I was offered good jobs on the spot jobs that honestly every once in a while I think about (laughs) why did I pass that up I mean I was pretty at that point I was pretty set on that I was going to go and and do my my saw, you know, my factory that I wanted to buy this factory. But knowing, uh, you know, it was just remarkable. Just remarkable to even get those kind of offers. 
from people uh, just to come work for them because they were like, oh, you know, I, I guess it was it just felt good is what I'm trying to say to be recognized for for the work ethic that I think most people knew that I was probably going to bring to the table if given the opportunity. And um, I've just arrived at Aladdin's on Monroe Avenue where I'm picking up dinner and bringing it home where I'm supposed to be in one minute. So I'm going to be in trouble <laughs> with my wife. So I got to cut off the podcast. But that's the that's the story. That's everything. That's that's everything. It was just, uh, you know, it's business. It is what it is. I, I can't blame them. Uh, they didn't, I guess they didn't see it in me, you know, um, when I did call to give my, my two weeks notice, you know, my manager didn't even spend one second trying to convince me to stay. He, he basically, he said, congratulations and we'll be in touch. And he didn't even, and, and to be honest with you, he wasn't going to be able to get me to stay, at least not with any type of realistic offer. But, um, you know, he didn't even try. So obviously I wasn't thought of very highly. Uh, they didn't even try. Uh, I gave a two-week notice. I said, I did say, now in fairness, because I've always wanted my coworkers to know this, because then I started to hear from my coworkers, we can't believe you quit on the spot and didn't give any notice. I absolutely gave a two-week notice. I will admit that I told my manager in that moment that I didn't want to serve out the full two weeks, but that I absolutely refused to do that to them. And that I would serve out, the, that I was fully prepared to serve out the entire two weeks so that they wouldn't be screwed, basically. And uh, they ended up just having me work that one day and then called it quits right after that, which was well, ultimately what I wanted. That was great. But but this this idea that I didn't give a two-week notice is absurd. I, I know that that rumor somehow got around amongst my coworkers, and I absolutely gave a two-week notice. So... Uh, that's, I think that's it. If you have any questions, let me know. I'd be happy to answer questions. Obviously, I think I've made clear there's a few areas I don't want to go into. I'm, I'm asked quite a bit to talk trash. I'm just, I'm just not going to do it. Just not going to do it. But, um, okay. Thanks so much for listening. By the way, next week we'll be back to doing regular podcasts, interviews and whatnot. Uh, we'll, we'll try and, uh, roll a bunch of interviews out in a row and, and you don't just have to listen to me talking shit by myself anymore. Okay. All right. Have a good one.